don't know me, my name is Corey Casperson. I'm the pastor of this ministry, and I'm just so, um, honestly, I'm just super thankful to be here with you guys tonight, worshiping together as a young adult family. Um, and I just want to acknowledge also that not everybody in the room is a follower of Jesus. So many of you are at different stages in your kind of walk with the Lord. Some of you are interested, some of you are struggling, some of you are like deep in your relationship with Jesus, and I just want you to know, uh, welcome to uh, the family of God. It's a place for everybody. And uh, I hope this place feels uh, comfortable for you and such a safe place to just uh, seek out what Jesus has for us as a family. Um, 710, we kind of have a mission statement, and we've kind of been saying it every single week. 710, we talk about ourselves as we're a a family uh, that's committed to three things. We're committed to uh, following Jesus first and foremost. This is ever and only about Jesus. Uh, We're committed to serving one another as brothers and sisters in God's family. And last of all, uh, we are committed to leave this room and live kingdom lives uh, for the glory of God and for the good of our city. So um, I just want to welcome you guys. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, as, uh, yeah, as Brett said, and uh, yeah, we are in a series called Family. I didn't know how to transition that, so we're just going to go straight into it. Uh, we are in a series called Family. Uh, we believe that as brothers and sisters, we've been adopted into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, last week, as we kind of kicked off uh, this series, we just kind of answered one question, and it was, what is the family of God? Like, what is it? And uh, what we kind of came up with is that the people of God, that, is that we are a people, and that we have been renewed by Jesus. That we are a renewed family called to live a renewed life together as we wait for a renewed world. And the people that make up the family of God were a people that are different from one another, We are unlike one another. There are so many different things and so many different reasons why we shouldn't be together. But the gospel of Jesus is all about bringing different people from different backgrounds, from different cultures, from different personalities to become a part of a kingdom worldwide movement called the family of God. And uh, Jesus has given us that privilege to be part of that family. And so kind of the rest of this series is we're just going to be talking about what does it mean to be a part of the family of God? And then specifically, what is life within that family look like? And tonight, we're going to talk about how life within the family of God is a life of love. And uh, we're going to unpack what that looks like for us as we seek to love one another within uh, this family. But let's just spend some time uh, praying for a quick second, and then uh, we'll jump into our study tonight. Uh, Lord, we love you. And uh, God, we're so thankful to be members of your family. Jesus, we, we thank you that we have been uh, brought near to you uh, by your sacrifice for our sins. Uh, Jesus, we do not deserve the grace that you've given us. And Lord, tonight I just stand here and I am uh, utterly and completely grateful for the grace that you've given me. Um, Jesus, I know where I would be apart from you. And in some ways, I don't even realize where I would be apart from you. But Lord, I thank, I'm so thankful that you've brought me into your family. And God, I'm so thankful to be here with my brothers and sisters, God's fellow Jesus followers. And I'm so thankful that for all the different stories that I get to hear about of how you've brought people from death to life. God, we all have a different but same experience with you. And so, Jesus, we ask that tonight, God, that as I speak, God, as we listen to your word, God, I pray that we would prep our hearts that we would open ourselves up to you right now in this moment. And Jesus, we want to receive the words that you have for us as a community. And we love you. This is only about you. And Jesus, we just ask that your name would be glorified and that your name would be praised and that your name would be honored. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
So life within the family uh, is a life of love. And I just want to actually, I want to read about like five passages of scripture at the front of uh, this talk tonight. And I just want you to listen about how the Bible talks about love and the importance of love within the people of God. Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandment was, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the sec- and the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, there is no commandment greater than these. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.14 says this, for the entire law, all 600 laws in the Old Testament, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 3.14 says this, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. In 1 John 4.20, the uh, Apostle John, who is also one of Jesus' 12 followers, he says this, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Lastly, Galatians 5, 6, the Apostle Paul says this again. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, when you read all these passages, it's pretty clear. Love is extremely important to the people of God. And it kind of begs the question, like, why? Like, why is the Bible so concerned about love? Why does it talk about it so much? And I think the Bible and I think the reason Jesus talks about love so much is because he knows the breakdown of any community and the breakdown of any relationship is because there's an absence of love. Do you guys agree with that? Like if there's been any kind of relational disruption, if there's been any breakdown, like some of you have been a part of church communities that have broken apart. Some of you have been in relationships that have broken apart. Some of you are experiencing that now, whether it's in your family at home, whether it's in the family of God or where else it is. God knows that when love is absent, community breaks down. And sin, according to the Bible, is a refusal to love God, and it's a refusal to love neighbor. And because we're all sinners, we all at times refuse to give love to other people. And because the Bible is all about restoring what's broken and building up and human flourishing, God has, has called his people, he's given us his love, and he's called us to love one another. And he says, literally, like, it's the only thing that counts. In some ways, love is kind of like the secret sauce, so to speak, that, that keeps the unlikes and difference together in a unified, beautiful, but messy shared life. So, like, when Jesus started planning, like, communities of followers, and last week we talked about this, that how these communities were purposely uh, filled with people that were different from one another, and, and, and Jesus goes, the only thing that's going to keep these communities of unlike people, of different people from different backgrounds together in a unified, beautiful, but messy shared life is by love. I love uh, author Scott McKnight when he was talking about kind of these early Jesus communities that were filled with all sorts of different type of people. He says this. He says, for Paul, love is central. It was central because he knew the challenges of the Christian life for those who were in fellowship with one another in the house churches dotting the Roman Empire. Listen to this. The only way they would make it is if each person learned to love others 
Roman slaves and workshop owners were not used to sitting down at the table and praying with Torah observant Jews, and kosher Jews were not used to reading scripture with prostitutes or migrant workers. Yet Paul believed that this, this messy community with different types of people, this was God's greatest vision for living, which brings us back to the need to love one another. I love like when Jesus has this vision of of a community of people who have been brought together because of him. He he loves how diverse this community is, and he and he. I kind of was thinking about it this way: like, have you ever showed up to like a small group or something like that, and you're like, I literally don't relate with anybody here. Like the only reason like that I could somewhat connect with anybody in this community is because of Jesus. Like, you guys have had that experience? I have. I think that's the point. That's the beauty of what Jesus is trying to do. He's saying, hey, listen, I am bringing together people who, like, actually can't relate to one another except for this common bond of Jesus Christ. And he goes, love? Like, how do you actually thrive with a community that's different from you? Love. So let's talk about love. A couple challenges to love. Uh, I say the first challenge is, Love is, I call it the love is a great idea until thing. Like love is a great idea until we realize who we have to love. Love is a great idea until you discover who your neighbor, neighbors actually are. Have you ever had that like group of people you've got about love and then like, oh, but it's them kind of a thing. Uh, love is a great idea until, you know, you come into like a room like this with a family like this and then you see who's sitting next to you at church or 710. You're like, ooh, that's, Joseph's like, ooh. Harrison, I'm sorry. He's sitting next to you. <laughs> or whatever. Love's a great idea until that person's in your small group. Or I was kind of thinking about this. Love is a great idea until it requires something from you for someone who's not like you or who you don't like. So there's the challenge of, like, who we have to love because that has its own hurdle. Um, but then let's just be honest. A lot of us have been burned trying to love people, haven't we? Um, I remember there was a few years ago at 710, there was a, there was a gal. Uh, this was before probably any of you were here. Uh, she was she was struggling with like su- suicidal thoughts like it was just like really messy um, like hospitalized at one at one point and uh, me and this gal we developed such a great relationship she wasn't a Christian and we like grew with each other over like 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 years together really and I remember uh, it got so bad that I knew I'd have to go to the um, kind of governmental authorities because I just felt like this wasn't safe and I remember it was my anniversary night. And I was on call, uh, like, having to, like, get up the phone call to see, like, when the authorities would show up to kind of help this gal. And I remember because uh, I was trying to stretch out myself and, and love this gal so much, like, I got completely burned. Like, completely, like, told to F off, like, kicked out of this person's life. And, like, this year or two of just, like, pouring into this person for so long and it was gone like that. Right, so there's all these moments where it's just like even I feel like, man, like love's a great ideal, but I've been burned. Like there's like the who, like man, like this is just can get real challenging. So there's the who, but then there's also like everyone agrees that we should love, right? Like it's a thrown, it's a word that's thrown around so often in our culture, but like few can define it. You ever notice that? Like everybody agrees that we should love, but when we actually c- try to come up with a definition of what it is, like few can actually define it. Some people will say like, you know, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it, kind of a thing. Um, and if you actually, like, read the definition of love in American culture, like, if you just literally, like, open your phone and type in, like, love definition, it, it says this, uh, love is a profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person. 
so love according to our culture is like loaded full of like it's all about emotion it's all about desire it's all about pleasure like love in american culture it's not it's like measured by emotional experience have you guys kind of noticed that uh it's it's measured by like gratification it's measured by affirming others no matter what and being nice like as long as you're not hurting anybody like that's cool that's that's love right so that's a real challenge so you have poo we have a hard time defining it and i think the reason honestly if we're going to be like self-reflective and look at like look at ourselves like why do we have such a hard time loving others in the church like if this is supposed to be the one place where love permeates our community i think the reason we struggle is because we live and we walk and we soak in a culture that's filled with these waters. Like it's the culture that we live in, it's the, it's the shows that we watch that form us without even realizing it, it's the social media we consume, and we kind of let this culture, this definition of affirmation only, of emotion and desire, like that version of love, like it's completely affected us more ways than we realize. Can you guys agree with that a little bit? We all experience that? Which leads us to the question, what is Christian love? Like, what is God love? What is Jesus love? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. It says this. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church community. There, it's the word Thessalonians. I said it again, Deb. Pronounced it right. There we go. All right. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says, but we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. For God himself has taught you to love one another. I love that. God himself, 710, God himself has taught us to love one another. How has God taught us to love one another? The way Christians, and if you're new to faith or if you're exploring Christianity, this is really important. The way Christians define love is by watching God love his people and love the world through the biblical story, ultimately expressed in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So we define love as Jesus followers uh, by watching God from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, love his people through the biblical story, and then through that and through that only, and especially in the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see love most clearly displayed, which gives us this definition of love. If you're taking notes, write this down. Love, according to the Bible and according to the biblical story, Love is a rugged commitment. I love that word, rugged. It's like, ugh. Like, love is a, it's a rugged commitment. You like that? Love is a rugged commitment to do someone or a community good regardless of how you feel. When you look at the biblical story, it wasn't just God just being nice, forgiving sins here and there. Like, God entered into what was called a covenant with his people, and he bound himself to a covenant saying that I am committing myself to redeeming my people. And the whole biblical story is God's rugged commitment to do good to his people. And so we look at that and we shape our lives around that definition of love. And I love this word rugged commitment because rugged commitment, it does not deny emotion. Like we just talked about how our culture, like love is predominantly described around the word emotion. Rugged commitment does not deny emotions. Commitment reorders emotions. See, rugged commitment to do someone good, a decision to do someone good, or a community good, regardless of how you feel, 
uh, it does not deny the emotions that come with that. It just actually reorders them. Instead of putting them at the top at one or two, it actually puts them down at like three, four, or five. See, when you, when you love somebody with a rugged commitment, you let emotions in the car, but you don't let them drive. You let emotions in the car, but you don't let the emotions drive the car because emotions can be fleeting and they come and go. We all have experienced that in our own walk with the Lord. We've exper- I experienced that in my own marriage with my wife. Emotions come and go. The rugged commitment, it reorders those emotions and put it puts them in their rightful place. See, love in the family of God, 710, it's about choosing to commit yourself to the good of the whole family and every individual within that family, regardless of your feelings and regardless of who might be in that community. Does that make sense? It's a commitment to do the community good, the family good, and one another good, regardless of how you feel and regardless of who's in that community. And so here's what I do. Here's what I want to do. With the rest of the time, I just actually want to describe to you uh, three elements of love. When we look at God and how he has loved us, remember God himself has taught us to love one another. When we actually look at how Jesus has loved us and has loved his people throughout the biblical story, we see that there's uh, actually three elements of love. And we see that God love is a rugged commitment to be with a community, for a community, unto kingdom realities in that community. Let me say that one more time. God love, God's love is a rugged commitment to be with a community, for a community, unto kingdom realities in that community. So let's take that one at a time. Element number one, we need 710, and this is like we're actually, like I want you to listen to this through the lens of this family, uh, through your RC. Element number one, we need a rugged commitment to be with one another. We need a rugged commitment to be with one another. And the word I want to highlight here is presence. In order to love, you need presence. How many of you uh, have felt loved by somebody who's not with you very often? Like when they're shaky, like if somebody's not with you, it actually kind of results in a lack of trust. But what we see in the biblical story and as we watch Jesus love us is that we see that God's desire throughout the whole story is that God wants to be with us. God wants to be with us. In the very beginning, God was walking with Adam and Eve. And when humanity rebelled against God and his presence, God went on a rescue mission for his people, and he gave them the tabernacle. He put his presence in the people of Israel. He gave them the temple, put his presence in the middle of the nation. When Jesus came, it was literally God himself becoming a human being, and literally his presence walked among us. When Jesus went to be with the Father, he sent us his own spirit to be in our hearts and in the midst of us as a family. Jesus wants to be with us. And then when God makes all things new, in Revelations 21, 3, it says, Among I heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. See, God's story is the expression of his desire and his commitment to be with us. I also want to say this, God wants to be with you. And so when we look at that, and when we see that the cost, how far Jesus went to be with us by dying on the cross, we see that we reflect that love to one another because of what God has done for us. See, there, here's the, because we love each other, we make a promise commitment to be with each other no matter what. See, love requires presence, and presence builds trust. 
presence builds trust. I was talking with uh, Abel today, and uh, I was just like, when I was thinking about this point of just like love requiring presence and being with the community, um, and like with presence comes trust, uh, I almost want Abel to share his own story, but I can't for the kind of sake of time. But I remember when Abel first came to 710, um, I asked him today, I was like, did you trust me? He goes, no way. He goes, honestly, Corey, he goes, I thought you were fake. Um, we were so culturally different, being a, a Hispanic uh, man and me being a white man, there was like some cultural difference with each other, and through everything that happened in 2020, he was really struggling, and there was like kind of this like, we were really like, there was a lack of trust between us, and I remember in the midst of everything that kind of went on in our country, uh, we for the first time actually we sat down right outside out here on the patio. And I remember just, like, for the first time, like, actually wanting to hear, like, what are you actually going through right now? Like, what are you, what are you struggling with? And as I started listening to his story, it started to break my heart. I started to realize how ignorant I was to the things that he was going through. And it kind of broke me down more and more and more. And I remember listening to him, and the only thing that I could say is, like, dude, I am so sorry. And I love you. And from that moment on, I want to be I want to be with you. I want to walk with you through the change that you're going through. And I remember when we left that conversation, it was the first time that I realized I had I had been with him in this room, something like that. But I wasn't close enough to to listen. And I wasn't close enough to hear. See, to love a community and to be with them is to be close enough to hear the whispers, close enough to hear the pain. And when you're with a community, it starts to build trust. And I felt like that's what I experienced in my walk with Abel at that time. And it teaches us that no matter what, no matter how different we are, no matter if we sin against one another or what storms come, to be with somebody says, I'm choosing to be with you through it all. Right? So the first element of Love is we need a rugged commitment to be with one another. The second thing that we see, element number two, is that we need a rugged commitment to be for one another. And the word that I uh, am using here is the word advocacy. In, uh, in Romans 8, 31 through 32, the Apostle Paul says that God is for us. Uh, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, we just sang this, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So right now, the way that we've been taught by God to love others is he showed us that he is for us in Christ. 1 John 2, 1, uh, the apostle John says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have, have an advocate who pleads our case before the father. See, advocate, the actual word right there, it literally means one who speaks in our defense. And so what, what God is saying, listen, I, I'm, he's writing through the Apostle John. He says, listen, I'm writing this so that you won't sin. But if you do sin, which I'm so thankful he has that clause because it was like guilty. He's like, you have, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ who pleads our case before the Father. And 710, I just want you to, exp I, I want you to like really sit on this right now. Some of you have come in struggling with all sorts of different things. I've had multiple conversations today already with 
people in this family who are struggling with sin. And what the Bible tells us is because of the love of God in Jesus, Jesus himself, because of his work, he stands in the presence of God as your defender. He's saying, I washed them. I paid for her. I love them. I gave my life for them. I, I, I've given everything to wash them and cleanse them to be with them. And we see that Jesus, as our advocate, he's our defender. God is saying, I'm with you. I'm for you. He's saying, I got your back. I'm in your corner. And so in the family of God, as we love one another, it teaches us that we say, because God has said that to us, we say to one another, I'm with you. I'm for you. I got your back. I'm in your corner. How many of you have friends that you really feel like they're an advocate for you like that? See, when, when <laughs> three of you do. <laughs> see, this is what we see. Because presence, when somebody is present with you and they show that they're actually consistent enough to be in your life, it starts to build trust. But being an advocate of one another actually solidifies that trust. See, presence builds trust, but being an advocate of one another, being a defender of one another, actually solidifies that trust. I remember when I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, I was honestly reflecting on my time kind of transitioning into the position that I am uh, in now of pastoring this ministry. And guys, I just got to be honest with you. Like, I, uh, one, I'm 25 years old, so I was like, Lord, I feel way too young for this. And, uh, and honestly, I had such a good thing going with Shannon and the team that I was with. And then, like, Shannon says, like, he's moving back to Florida. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this whole thing's falling apart in front of me. And then I found out the team that I was with, uh, some of them were going to be taken off the team. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, Lord, you're going to have me lead this thing. And I got, like, no, like, I was like, everybody that, like, I really, like, wanted to kind of lead this thing with is all gone now. And I was starting to feel, like, really insecure and honestly discouraged and just, like, I just feel like everything is destabilized. You ever feel that? Like, everything just kind of gets destabilized? Really excited about something, but then things just go seemingly bad before that. And uh, I remember I was also nervous because I had, like, this team that I wanted to work with, and uh, I found out that I was going to get the team that I got. But I was really nervous, too, because then there's people on the team that are older than me. And I wasn't sure, like, if I, like, if they trusted me enough to, like, follow me in the ways that I felt like God was leading me. And I remember the turning point kind of in how I felt and all that is when I kind of verbalized that to the team. I remember specifically it was Tyler and Kendrick, and they looked at me and said, like, with and for, like, we're in it with you, and we're for you, and we're going to champion you, and we got your back, and wherever God is leading, we're following. And I remember that actually was a huge deal for me. Because I was, I was, it was nervous to take that step. But as soon as I knew that they were going to be with me, that started to build trust. But as soon as I realized they were defending, that they were for me, that they were advocates of me, that solidified the trust that like this is something I want to grow in. And we all have that. And God is calling us to be that for one another in the family of God and to have those people who are that for us. And so my question would just be to you is, do the people in your church family know, know that you're for them? Do they actually feel like you are their defender? Because that is what God has done for us, and that is what God is calling us to do for one another. The last thing that we'll see is that to love God and to love neighbor the way that God has loved us is that we need a rugged commitment 
unto something. So we need to be with one another, for one another, unto something. Right? So it's not just about being, like, with one another, like, this is a great time, and for each other. Like, that, that is, like, the world does that. Like, the world can do that just as well as us. But what makes Christian love unique is that there's actually an end goal to our love. There's actually a direction to our relationships. And the Bible teaches us that the direction for our relationship is to see kingdom realities come to pass in our community, in one another. Another word for that is God wants us to love one another into Christlikeness because that's how God is, what God has done for us. In Romans 8, 29, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of son to the image of his son. So God loves us and predestines us before the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so God, as Scott McKnight says this, he says, God loves us and God's kind of love transforms us into loving and holy, God-glorifying and other-oriented people in God's kingdom. See, God loves us so much and in your own life, God, whatever is going on, God is loving you into Christ-likeness. God will always love you into transformation. God will love you into, and the author of Hebrews talks about it as sharing in his own likeness, to share in his own character, and that's how God loves us. So in the family of God, God is saying, hey, it's not just about being with each other. It's not just about being for one another, but it's actually like we're with one another, for one another, so that we can love one another and have Christ-likeness be the end result. We all know of communities, we all know of friend groups, Christian friend groups, where it's just kind of another friend group, right? But what God is teaching us here, and what he has done for us is that, listen, like, our highest priority in one another's lives is to, like, scheme and to plan and to calculate ways that we can help our brothers and sisters look more like Jesus. Galatians 5, uh, excuse me, Galatians 4.19, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I love that picture. He's like, I am in agony because I just want to see Christ developed in your lives. And guys, that's, that's in the family of God, that's what we put on. It's like we just, oh, I just want to see Christ formed in my brothers and sisters. Oh, man, like, I am, yeah, like, our friendship's great, and that's a byproduct of what, like, God is doing, but, like, my highest priority is, like, I just want to see Christ formed in you, and we know that those types of relationships that we have, that we've experienced, those are the, always the ones that are the most meaningful, right? All right, so as we conclude, let me just summarize it this way. Life within the family of God, it's a life of love, and love is about a rugged commitment to be with the family of God, for the family of God, and unto kingdom realities in the family for the sake of the world. And I just want to propose this before you. Um, I was really thinking about this. I, I really want to be a human being transformed by the love of God and to give it away towards others. But one of the things that I really had to like it really hit me in the face when I saw this question was when I asked, like, how, how diverse is my love? And I would just ask you, how diverse is your love? Is, it, is there room for all sorts of people in your love? Or is it narrow to a specific person, to a specific type of people, 
this extra civil segment of the church. See, the beautiful part about being God's family is we get all of God's family, and God is calling us to widen our horizons and to spread his love to all sorts of different people. And I would just ask you very personally, how diverse is your life? The people that you are around and that you walk with, do they just, are they just a reflection of you in some way? Or is there some diversity in that? Because I truly believe that when the people of God love people that are different from them, and we all partner together in life and on this journey of following Jesus, that's the type of life that actually shows the world God's design for life together. Amen? Amen. All right. Every week I'm going to end with a live it out challenge. Uh, because we don't want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so uh, I got two questions for you as we close. One, uh, who is your family? And what I mean by this is what, uh, what family are you as a uh, – I'm going to start that all over. <laughs> what, what church like, – like we are all part of the family of God across the world. But God has given us a specific family to be a part of, to live out this life of love. And I would just ask you, 710, like, I know not all of you go to Redemption Gilbert here. I know some of you are at different churches. But what family are you a part of? Because you can belong everywhere, but also belong nowhere at the same time. And God has given you a specific family that he wants you to pour your energy into and to bless and to serve and to love and to help build up. And it's a family to also give back to you. Who's your family? And once you know your family, here's the, the question I want to leave you, leave you with. What's the next step for you to be a with, for, unto member of that family? Right? So once you know what family you're a part of, maybe it's 710 here, maybe it's somewhere else. What's the next step for you to take to be a with, for, unto member of the family, to be with them, for them, unto kingdom realities? For some of you, it could be as simple as you need to get plugged into a small group and actually start getting in relationship with other uh, believers in Christ so that you can actually be with the community. Some of you are already in a small group, and maybe you need to actually vocalize and verbalize and show ways that you are actually for the other people in your community. Uh, maybe you're kind of show up, but you're not engaged, and so God's calling you to be more for the people in your community. Or maybe you actually are with a group of people at a family, or and you're for them. Uh, but the direction and kind of the end goal of that has just kind of been to have a good time and just to have Christians that you do life with. And maybe God's actually calling you to, like, think about how can I, like, help Christ be formed in this community? How can God use me uh, to bring about uh, transformation in this community? So uh, I just want to put that before you. And uh, Lord, as we go out, I just uh, let me just pray that the Lord would just bless us and uh, fill us with his love this week. Let's pray. Uh, God, we love you so much, and uh, God, we're thankful that you are a God who is committed to us. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God that is committed to me. Um, Jesus, thank you that you are with us as your people, God, that your heart's desire is to walk with us, to be with us. And God, when you make all things new, uh, we will be with you, and we're excited for that, and we look forward to it. God, we thank you that you are for us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being my defender. Jesus, thank you for being our defender. God, in spite of us, even in our sin, um, God, you have washed us, and you are an advocate. And so we love you for that. And Lord, thank you that you are committed to forming Christ in our lives. And so, God, we receive uh, from you, God, your power and your forgiveness and your healing. And we ask that you would form Christ in this community and in us. 
and I pray that you would empower us to do that for one another. We love you, Jesus. We're thankful to be part of this family. In your name, amen.